Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. guest today for Song of the Soul is Josh Polich. Josh was raised ELCA Lutheran, where he took particular joy in being part of the choir. With adulthood, he was led to read up on Eastern religions, eventually finding real resonance with Hindu chanting. At Unity Christ Center in Eau Claire, he found a spiritual home and community of acceptance for his practices and a source of joy and support, and he leads chanting there on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. No problem. Good to be here, Mark. Now, Josh, I know that you introduced Sarah to chanting. Uh, She actually had had some exposure to it previously, but you've led her to a deep pool of that. And I want to talk about that, obviously, throughout this interview. But I first want to start with what your background is, where you grew up, how you grew up, and what your religious spiritual foundation was. Where did you start out? Well, my family was Lutheran. I came from a Lutheran background, and very typical. My family wasn't real churchy, but they had me go to church, and I was confirmed, went to Sunday school. I was really into it for a while. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was in the choir, and uh, I went to church on a regular basis. I really appreciate that aspect of my life, like that foundation, because that's where I got my start. And then... I don't know, when I was about 18 or 19, I just kind of got bored with it and just kind of stopped going to church. That's when I grew into other forms of spirituality. 
but I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that I was abroad a Lutheran. I'm curious, did you learn any other foreign languages along the way, other languages besides English? Nope, just English. Do you actually understand Sanskrit to a significant degree, or do you only understand individual words that you chant? How deep does your knowledge go with respect to that? Mostly it's just memorization. I know what some words mean. I can pick some out, but I'm by no means a scholar. I don't. I can't understand the language in the Nagari script. I can only read the transliterations in English. You told me earlier that you were ELCA Lutheran, which is to say more of the liberal end of the Lutheran spectrum. What beliefs from Lutheranism were part of your beliefs? What did Lutheranism mean to you in terms of beliefs? I guess one would be that there's one God, that we should live good, have good morals. I guess just the basic moral principles that should be instilled in a young person. Don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, those kind of things. Are those consistent along into your new spirituality? Oh, yes, definitely. Like, those things are very much my foundation. Like, my morals, how I view the world, how I respect people, how I interact with people. They come with it, so to speak. Like, they come with the new spirituality. You said you were confirmed Lutheran. At what age did you do that? And do you remember what your promises were as part of your confirmation? Well, I know I was 16 when I got confirmed, but I don't remember anything we did. (laughs) I just did it because I had to, more or less, because my parents wanted me to. You said during your teen years, I guess in particular, you were kind of into it. What were you into? Was it the people who were there, or the beliefs, or the actions? Did you have activities that particularly inspired you? What I was really into was the singing and the actual act of worshiping God within myself, like, for instance, closing my eyes and going to that space that's in us, in everyone. That's what I remember. And I actually gave one sermon and sang a song like in front of the whole congregation, and everybody was just blown away. And I think I was 17 when I did that. And that's when I was mostly really into it at that point. So mostly the singing and the actual act of worshiping um, within myself. My experience growing up Catholic, until I was 10, the Latin Mass was common. So that made for a very different environment. As things went on, there were smaller periods where there was actually silence. But one thing that always irked me was when they said, okay, now let's take a moment to offer a prayer in silence, and then they'd allow you about half a second. That's when my heart starts getting ready to make a prayer. Yeah, I guess thinking back... I really appreciate the silence now, and back then I may not have as much as I do now, but I know when I talk to my mom, who goes to church now more than she used to, she says she wishes they had more silence. So I think silence is great. I think it really could help any church if they just had more time where people could really look at themselves and not just do the group thing and go through the motions and then go home and eat and live out their week. Where did you get exposed to silence? I guess it probably came when I first discovered meditation. Yeah, when I started to meditate in like 2001, when I discovered Eastern practices, that's probably when the silence really came into my life, and when I first started to pay attention to the silence. And where did you run into meditation? The first book I read on meditation was a book by Ram Dass called Journey of Awakening. 
And it was a, a summing up of a lot of Eastern practices, meditation, yoga, chanting, the use of mantras. At that time, I had been looking for something different. I was tired of the church thing, tired of Christianity. I had this desire in me to look for something different, and I didn't know what that was. And one night I was at home, and I had this experience. It was a vision-like experience. I was kind of half asleep, half dreaming, and I had this vision of this wall with my hands on the wall, and it was a white light wall. There was a sound that I heard that led me to that book by Ram Das. That led me to the word mantra is what it did. And that's how I found the book by Ram Das. And that's when I started practicing meditation and mantra and yoga. And I did that for a couple of years. So that's when I first started to really feel the silence within me. You mentioned that you have some exposure to some of this chanting at Unity. When did you connect up with Unity Christ Center, and how long has that been? And, and is this actually helpful to your study and your practice? Very. <laughs> it's actually interesting how I found Unity. It was a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I started going there, and I saw this flyer downtown at Acoustic Cafe for a kirtan. It was called the Kirtan Trance Dance, and there was this group from Chicago coming up to sing kirtan, which is chanting, Indian chanting. I was like, wow, this church has kirtan? I got to go check this out because I was I was doing a lot of chanting at the time and I was into it and I thought I was the only one in this area who was doing anything like that. The actual event for the flyer was on April 1st of last year, but I went the three Sunday services before that and the very first time I went to Unity, I just broke down and cried and just felt this great love and emotion and just this peace and the next three times I went I, it got stronger and stronger and I was just like wow this is it this is where I need to be and I've just been going ever since and it's a really great place I love it the place is called Unity Christ Center how would you describe it what would you say happens there I've always wondered about the name myself why it's called Unity Christ Center because it's more of a spiritual center in my mind because there's all kinds of stuff going on there from yoga to discussion groups about different books to drumming, native drumming. We at Unity incorporate a lot of different values and beliefs and we think basically everything is one. We teach universal truths and so it's really a place where anybody can come no matter what their belief is and be welcome and have a place to go where like-minded people are there. I want to turn now to some of the music that you've chosen for your Song of the Soul. The first one you chose is, actually all of the songs that you've chosen are by Krishna Das. They're all performed by Krishna Das. And the first one is called Hanuman Chalisa. What's it about and why is this part of your Song of the Soul? I still remember the first time I heard this song. It was about three years ago. At the time I had been practicing meditation and yoga for probably two, two and a half years. I had been working with mantras and focusing on my breath, and I was just on the Internet, and I was browsing. I was on this site called BeliefNet. There was this article about Krishna Das. I had had an interest in chanting at the time. I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, well, chanting, I wonder what that is. They had three sample tracks, and the first one I just randomly clicked on was the Hanuman Chalisa. I just, I heard it, and something about it just like went right through me and I just broke down and started crying and I cried uncontrollably for like a half hour and the extraordinary thing was I didn't know why I was crying like I didn't understand the words it's in Sanskrit I didn't know what he was saying but just the feeling he had like the feeling in the music itself is what hit me and it like went straight to my heart it really changed me 
that's why this song is so important to me is because it was the first song I was exposed to by Krishnadas, the song that kind of brought me into the whole realm of chanting, which is where I am today, which is my main spiritual practice, which is basically who I am. It's what I do. So Hanuman, it's basically a prayer to the monkey lord Hanuman, one of the many gods in India, in Hinduism. It's basically praising him. It's a 40-verse Sanskrit prayer. It's very, very powerful for me. I practice it myself, and I cry a lot when I hear it. The more I sing it, the deeper it gets. When you chant, how long do you chant for? Is this a five-minute prayer? You know, it's like you kneel by the side of your bed and do your five-minute prayer, or is it something that you have to do together with a whole congregation? How do you chant? What is your normal practice of chant? Well, it kind of varies. It's definitely not a five-minute thing. Uh, maybe a five-hour thing, <laughs> but I usually chant for at least a half hour, Some, usually in the morning, sometimes in the night, but there's random times where I'll really feel like I really want to connect, and I'll chant for an hour, sometimes two. Basically, the longer you do it, the more you do it, the deeper it gets. I mean, I chant a lot of different names and mantras, but basically, I try to chant every day. It becomes a practice that my life kind of revolves around. Even throughout the day, I'm kind of chanting in my head, using mantra. Really, I'm chanting all the time. You mentioned that Hanuman is the monkey lord, and he's one of the gods and one of the many gods that they have in India. Is there one god, or are there many gods, or has this changed? How do you think of that now? Well, there's definitely one god, one source. In Hinduism, they have many different facets of God because everybody's different. And their philosophy is everybody's different, so you should choose a God or a face or a facet of God that is likable to you. And in India, you can do that. You're free to choose whatever God you want, whether it's Shiva, Ramakrishna, or Hanuman. Basically, I think Hinduism is seen as a religion that's got all these crazy gods and goddesses, but really it's a monotheistic religion because all these different gods and goddesses are either reincarnations of one god or just a different expression of a god, but it's all the same. It's all one. It's all the same, no matter what form. My understanding is, at the time that Christianity came up with its trinity conceptualization of God, of three facets of God, that Jews were horrified because Judaism is monotheistic. And to say that there's this Jesus that's God and there's the Holy Spirit that's God, as well as God the Father, they were horrified. I think that most Christians think of themselves as monotheistic, but they probably don't think of Hindus as monotheistic because they say, I have this God and this God and this God. Is there a name for the one God as opposed to the facets of God that one typically worships? In India, actually, they do have a triune that's similar to Christianity because they have Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, and Brahma being the creator. Brahma is equivalent to God, basically, in the West. And there's Vishnu, who is the sustainer, and there's also Shiva, who is the destroyer. So for them, it's like a cycle of three different gods, I, I guess you could say. But basically, again, it's all one. So if you've got that kind of triune monotheistic god, if you will... Where does Hanuman fit in relationship to those three gods? Hanuman is an incarnation of Shiva, and he serves Ram and Sita, 
who are an incarnation of the eternal male and the eternal female. Hanuman is known for his devotion and his love of God. He'll do anything for God. He's always thinking of Ram and Sita, of God. And that's why I love him so much, because that's what I try to do in my life, is always thinking of God, always serving God, always being devoted in my heart, always having love for God and everything. I think it would be helpful for our listeners now to hear this chant to the monkey lord, Hanuman. It's called Hanuman Chalisa, and it concludes with the part from another song called Gate of Sweet Nectar. This is sung by Krishna Das. Charan Saro Jaraja Nijamano Kur Sudhari Barano Ragubara Bimala Jasu Jodayak Palachari Buddhihin Tanujanike Sumiram Pavan Kumar Dehumohi Harahu Kalesa Vikar Jaya Hanuman Gyana Gunasada Jaya Kapishati Hunloka Uja Ramadutta Tulita Baladama Anjani Puta Pavana Sutanama Mahabira Bikrambajarangi Kumati Nivara Sumati Kesangi Kanchanavarana Viraja Subesa Kanana Kundala Kunshita Kesa Atta Vajura Urupaja Viraja Kande Muja Jane Usaja Shankara Suvan Kesari Nanda Teja Pratapa Mahaja Amakaja Karibe Koatu Prabhu Charitra Sunibe Korasiya Ramalakana Sita Manavasiya Sukshma Rupa Darisiya Hindikava Pikata Rupa Darilanka Jarava Pima Rupa Dariasura Sanghari Ramachandra ke kaja sanghari Kaya sadiva lakana jiaye Shri Raghu ira hara shi ura laye Raghu patekinhi bahut baraye Tumamama priya bharataye sumabaye Sahasavadan tumaroja sagaye Asakai Shri Patikantalaka 
Imagine our listeners are wondering what they've been listening to, and if they want to check it out, they can go to krishnadas.com. Krishna is spelled K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S.com. And you can find the lyrics for all of these songs there, and I'll have a link to them on my website as well. Josh, how did your parents react to you getting into this thing? From their point of view, it might have been just too weird to continence. Uh, you said your mother goes to church more now than she used to. How did she react to you, Josh, when you started getting into this? Well, that's interesting that you ask me that because as of late, they've really noticed how much the chanting has changed me. I've been doing this for a few years, and to them it's always kind of been a hobby of mine, something I do for fun or something I'm kind of into. But lately they've realized that 
it's really having an effect on my life. For me, it's a very good effect. I completely love the changes that are going on in my life because of it. But for them, it's hard to understand because they're very Christian and they don't see it how I see it. They don't see the chanting as the same as going to church. So I guess my parents haven't reacted the best. They're trying to understand. I try to make them understand, but I can only say so much that will help. Do you take an active role in the worship services at Unity? Is there a part where they want to have kirtan as part of the worship service, or maybe you do it at separate times there? Every Sunday at Unity we have a meditation time, and I think twice I've done a chant, and I've done a couple songs with chants in there. During the service itself, I'll do a song on guitar or something. I'm also in the choir there, so I've sang there. And I also do chanting there on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock, right after drumming, every week. Let's turn to your next song. It's more of a typical chant. The first one had those 40 verses that <laughs> go on and are part of richness of their own, but it's not one that you can easily memorize. The next one is fairly easy to memorize in the way that most chants are. It's Samadhi Sita Ram, and it's also by Krishna Das. So what's your connection with this song? I love this chant because it's chanting to Ram and Sita. I look at Ram and Sita as, as God, basically, as the male and the female, as one. Because Hanuman loves Ram and Sita so much, I love Ram and Sita so much. So I just really enjoy chanting to Ram and Sita, and that's why I picked this song. What are the words to the song? This chant is all divine names, the name of Ram and Sita. There are some J's in there, which means glory to. So if they say J Ram, it's glory to Ram. Or if they say J Sita Ram, it's glory to Sita and Ram. But basically, they're just chanting the name of God. So they're names, sacred names, divine names, holy names. How do you picture a god? I mean, I guess there are pictorial representation of the Hindu gods, but how do you picture them when you're saying the name? You say, for instance, you love Sita. What is it that you're loving? <laughs> That's a good question. What I'm loving really is what I have inside of me. These names, they come from a place inside of us. So when we say them, even though it's like we're calling out or singing out, we're actually turning in and getting in touch with our own spirit, our own soul. So these names lead us into the center of our being in which we have communion with God. The more we chant, the deeper we go. The more you practice, the deeper it gets. So these names are just, I guess you could say, road signs or arrows that point us inside. For Josh Polich's second song of the soul, we'll listen to Samadhi Sita Ram. It's also sung by Krishna Das. Ram, 
Sitaram, 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 Ram, Ram, Sitaram. Sitaram, Ram, Ram, Sitaram, 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 Ram, Ram, Sitaram.
Ram, Sita Ram, Sita Ram, Ram Ram, Sita Ram, Ram Ram, Ram Ram, Sita Ram, Sita Ram, Ram Ram, Sita Ram, Ram Sita Ram, Ram Ram, Sita Ram, Sita Ram, Sita Ram. Josh, most people's image of Hare Krishna is people with shaved heads and maybe saffron robes in airports handing out flowers. Do you aspire to that? Not particularly. I know what you're talking about, though, the Hare Krishna people, which was started, at least in the West, in the 70s at some point by uh, Srila Prabhupada, who I very much respect, and I, I totally respect the Hare Krishnas, and I love their mantra that they use, and it really works for me, and that's why I use it. That's why I love it. It's it's actually my favorite chant. It goes Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And it's got three names of God, which invoke basically the energy of the Lord. Again, they put you into that space within yourself where you can have communion with God. It's very powerful for me and for other people. Other people have told me too that when they hear it or sing it, it's very powerful for them. And in India, it's known as the Maha Mantra, which means great mantra. And it's sung all over India. Not just the Hare Krishnas sing this chant. It's my favorite. I sing it all the time. I sing it in the morning. I use it for a mantra going throughout the day when I'm doing boring tasks. It's in my head. I'm saying it silently in my head. It's an amazing, amazing mantra. Josh, you said that your parents have noticed the changes in you, that this chanting and this spiritual practice that you're doing changes you. Now, I think most Christians, when they think of the change that comes from being part of a religious group, spiritual practice, is something about moral development. How does this chanting affect your moral development? I mean, a lot of people go to church and they hear a sermon and you're supposed to believe this or do this or live this way, and so therefore they go home and say, well, maybe I should be that way. I don't think chanting works that way. How does it change or develop you? For me, it's beyond morals. My morals are already there. What chanting does for me is it actually it changes my consciousness. It makes me more aware. It makes me more awake, if you will. So in that change, my actions change. The more I chant, I don't mean just one session, but as I'm chanting, as it's growing deeper within me, it's affecting my consciousness. And you could say I'm, I'm, I have a higher consciousness. A lot of Eastern philosophy speaks of higher consciousness, of raising your consciousness, of being more aware, more awake. And that's really what chanting does, is it's a tool that helps us become awake. And when that happens, we become a totally different person. We change and it's it's a very slow, subtle change. It's not nothing drastic. How does it manifest outwardly in your life? I think one of the things I, that you do, because Sarah told me you do it, is you rise at something like 5 in the morning, and you include this chanting to start off your day. How else outwardly does this manifest? I guess outwardly it would be me being more compassionate, more loving, more accepting of people. Less likely to get angry, less likely to get agitated over silly things. 
it's kind of a routine for me with my chanting. I get up in the morning, I chant, I go to work. It helps my job. It helps me live more in harmony with everybody and everything around me. For example, at work, I'll be more focused. I'll do a better job. I'll be less irritable, less agitated, more content with what my life is and the way it's going. I'll eat healthier. I'll exercise more. Basically, you just live healthier and better and that's what chanting has done for me, has allowed me to live in that way. Well, let's listen to some Hindu practice here. The great mantra, the Maha Mantra, Three Rivers Hare Krishna, again by Krishna Das. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare He Hare Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 
Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.
Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna. Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Josh, one other thing I'm aware of is that some of the people I know who do this chanting, who have exposed me to the ideas of Hinduism, is that they've changed their name. Ram Das and Krishna Das are two examples that come out, but I've known other people actually to do that too. I visited with one when I was just in Australia, someone who got active in that practice and therefore changed her name. Is that a kind of a typical Hindu conversion practice, or is it something that you've considered? Well, I personally haven't really considered it, and as far as I know, they received their names, they being Krishnadas Ramdas, from a saint named Nimkroli Baba, otherwise known as Maharaji. And that whole practice of renaming, as far as I know, is those names are given to them by either a saint or a guru, a very high teacher. It's not like they picked those names and they said, I want to be Krishnadas or anything like that, but... To me, I guess it's not necessary, but I would be open to the idea in the event I ever met a saint or a guru, but I also feel that I don't need to because my own heart is my guru, is my guide, and really all of life is my teacher. One of the reasons I asked this, I had an ulterior motive here. You and Sarah are going to get married very shortly, and it's kind of typical, at least in our Western culture, to change your name at that point. When Sandra and I got married, we chose a new last name to say what our relationship is about, who are we together. And I was just wondering what you and Sarah were thinking about in terms of names. Well, that's funny. Um, she actually told me how you guys got your name, and I thought it was very interesting. She wants to take my name, but I keep telling her that she should keep her name because she has her business, her, her yoga and massage business. So she might hyphenate her name 
I'm not sure what we're going to do yet, but I think it would be cool to pick a new last name. That'd be interesting. (laughs) I want to thank you, Josh, for being here. The energy that you're bringing to the city with your kirtan, with your chanting, with a daily practice, I think it changes the world whenever anyone really puts themselves to spiritual practice. And thank you for sharing it in Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. It was very nice to be here. You've been listening to a Song of the Soul interview with Josh Polich. You can find more information about this interview and others and listen to them again via my website, northernspiritradio.org. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM Radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. You can-